0: You're listening to the Real Estate Runway Podcast, powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton.
1: All right, everyone. Today, we're going to have a very special guest, Mr. Chris Prefontaine out of Rhode Island, and we're going to get to hear a little bit of his take on why interest rates are not too high to invest in real estate today, why this is a local environment. And also, we're going to talk a little bit about creative financing, buying on terms, and how to get paid three times on every transaction. So this is a little more focused on single family, but really the concepts apply to any asset class. Without further ado, let's get into it. All right, Real Estate Runway family, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Runway podcast. I'm your host, your fearless leader, Chad Sutton. Just kidding. Quattro Capital sponsors us on this show. Remember, if you get any value out of this show, please scroll down, leave us that five-star review and a thoughtful comment. Those ratings are the only way we get this show out to more people just like you. So please share your comments and your stars. You can also follow us via our parent company on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Team Quattro Capital, one word, no special characters, or by simply visiting us at thequattroway.com. And we do appreciate all of our listeners out there. We love hearing from you. Just drop us a note, podcast at thequattroway.com, if you want to say hello, get some content requests, give feedback, any of the sort. we'd love to hear from you. And as always, if you want to apply to be on the show, please visit us at thequattroway.com slash podcast. And now on to your scheduled production. All right, everyone, we are here today with Chris Prefontaine. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I am awesome. Thank you. and Thanks for having me. And thanks for
0: pronouncing my name perfectly well, even though we're on opposite ends of the
1: planet. (laughs) You know, we were joking just on the beginning of this call. We have a a little bit diversity of accents here. So if if any of you Northerners have trouble with my Southern accent or vice versa, it'll be okay. Read the transcript. Okay. So Uh, anyway, well, Chris, before we get into the show, I'd love to take a minute and kind of go through who you are, what your background is, you know, how you got into real estate. Just kind of take us up to where we are today. And then we're going to ask a very important question about investing today. What do you say? Yeah, yeah, this sounds good. It's 31 years I've
0: been at this, so I will put them to sleep if I do it all, so I won't. I started in 1991. I was building homes, spot building, I called it. We'd never bought land ahead of time. We tied it up on terms and pre-sold and and built. Did that to about 95, bought a Realty Executives franchise, sold that to Coble Banker in 2000, and then 2000 to the 08 crash, I was basically coaching people around the United States and Canada Really, the realtor field, which I don't do anymore, but it was more licensed realtors back then. And then uh, my own investments. And then the crash just hammered me and caused me to kind of re-engineer the entire business to what it is today. And now it's not me anymore. I did all those years as a solopreneur. Now it's my son-in-law, Zach, my son, Nick, and a great team now where we buy our own properties in New England. So it's like three states we operate in. We buy in law without using our money, without using banks, without signing personally. Lessons from the crash. And then around 14, we started getting demand for what we do by just literally the local press reaching out to me is what started it in 13. And we started coaching, the mentoring. And then we uh,
1: do that all around in North America now. That's fantastic. So that, I mean, you bring a wealth of experience to the table in what we're going to talk about today. Before, if you're open to it, you know, anytime someone tells me they weathered the crash or were hammered by the crash, you know, we may be on the verge of one, who knows? You know, we're not going to cry yeah. wolf here, but- You know, I always love to give the opportunity, if you're open to it, to kind of share, you know, what would you have done differently had you known what you know today? You know, what caused the hammering during the crash for you personally? Because it was quite different for everyone who tells me a story. So I'd love to hear your version of that if you're open to it.
0: Because it was so widespread, I bet you do get some good ones. I can tell you real simply, it's what I'm pivoting to, which is if I could go back in time, I wouldn't have taken out bank laws in my personal name. I had great credit, so I just kept getting money. And I thought that was, what's what you do? You build your credit so you can do that. Well, that was a mistake because when the market dropped, we had a major headache. Bankers got to do what they got to do, right? It's their job. So one, don't sign personally on properties. Two, don't use your own money. I don't care what market you're in, you can go ahead and buy properties without using gobs of your cash. Fact. So those are two major things. That's why we do everything like that now. It wasn't like Chad Creative financing wasn't around. It was around sixteen hundred. As much as I experienced, I didn't piece it all together, which is what it took the crash to get me to do that.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And just a follow up question there you know, when, when you mentioned don't put any debt in your personal name, did the damage of that come from loans simply being called due because of evaluation problems, or was it specifically properties weren't performing and therefore, you know, debt service became a problem?
0: I'm smiling because it's all of the above that you could possibly think of. I had projects going, I had income properties, I had condominium conversions midway through the project the, the values dropped two thirds, all stuff like that. And look, when you don't have that and you have, let's just say, owner financing, I'm in a position of leverage now. I can make my terms. But when the bank that you have no leverage,
1: they got you. You sign. That is a fantastic foreshadowing to conversation to come. So, all right, thanks for going down that rabbit hole with me for just a second, Chris. So let me let me kind of leverage a question here or a venture a question. Rates are going up faster than they have since the 1980s, right? And a lot of people who are, you know, we'll just say sub 45, probably never seen this before, right? right? And so, you know, we've gotten really intoxicated on the Disneyland of interest rates. It's been the happiest place on earth for a number of years with, you know, low sub five interest rate and then zero for quite some time as well. So right. the question I would venture is, Are interest rates too high to be investing in real estate right now? I'm going to give you a a broad answer is no, they're not too high. We're not
0: at our 7.750 or average yet. Not even there yet. I don't think unless something changed today or yesterday, but we're not there. So they're not too high. And I'll put a caveat to that, especially if you're not buying using bank loans. Uh, There's ways to right now buy properties. I'll just put a teaser in at two, three, and 4% or 0% interest right now,
1: right now. Not too high. All right. Tell me a little bit more about why you mentioned the average interest rates over time. So you, you kind of started to elude. I know where you're going with it, but you know you mentioned we're not even to seven and a half yet. What do you mean by that? What's well, the significance of that?
0: Yeah. In my world, creative financing, I looked at a few things. I've been yelling about this stat. There's two stats that I think are important here. In 50 years, we have an interest rate of 7.7 7, average, roughly. And okay, so if we know that, good, but one point to complement that would be, In 50 years, this is the third time that we've had a major issue with affordability. And it started like when it was in the high fives, low sixes. If that's causing problems with affordability now for conventional buyers, not creative financing, what's going to happen when it creeps up more? If it does, you and I don't know that. You know, billionaires don't know that. But if it does, we have a major issue again. And that means hundreds of thousands of buyers are bummed out because they can't buy a house. They can with creative financing. But... There's a lot of people that in six months ago were
1: all excited to buy a house, right? That's why it's major significance to the creative world. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think what you're what you're also alluding to there is, you know, in retrospect, rates aren't that high. I mean, when you look at the national average of interest rates, yes, we've had a massive change. The delta in interest rates is high. And so that's created a little bit of a delay in the acceptability of people's agreement on a price. You know, there's the, what the buyers are expecting and what the sellers are expecting- It takes a little time for that to normalize out, you know. It seems like you've seen this before. What would you say your experience is with, you know, a change happens in the market, let's say one of as abruptly as this, you know, how long does it take for prices to settle out or will they settle out? What's what's your thought on that?
0: My thought is more important than like my prediction, right? You said it right because I don't know. But my guess is we're going to be sitting at, at this state of market for a good 18 months, maybe 24 and I say that with tongue in cheek because when the crash happened, my wife specifically said, oh, you know, the price will what be coming for 10 years. And I'm thinking to myself, 10, like maybe three or four, I, who knew, right? So I don't know, but I'm happy where it is now because of our world and maybe 18 or 24 months, I'll revisit it.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting because when we think about what's going on, you know, sure, values may drop locally, but the difference here is- We're not exactly in a high leverage environment like we were back in 2008. So we may have some different pricing pressures, but I think, personal opinion, the challenge is really what trades right now or what sells right now kind of has to sell. If you're a well-operating owner, you know, and, and you're cash flowing good, and maybe you've locked in yesterday's debt, you know, pricing, and you're getting more rent than you've ever got. You're probably not too anxious to sell that property unless you've made some mistakes and you're either running low on cash, you know, maybe you have a floating rate loan or something that is killing you right now, or you know you have a loan. Again, we're going back to the bank being the problem. You have a loan that is coming due and you have to get ready to refinance and your value's not there. So just just curious in your world, I mean, are you seeing in the deal flow you are seeing where maybe we're seeing some prices decrease, Do you think that might have something to do with the price decreases or are you seeing a different phenomenon out there?
0: Let me make sure I'm clear. I think you're asking it. Does this pressure on interest rates going up have pressure on prices coming down? Is that sort of where you're going? Yeah, sure. I think it has to only because that scenario I just gave you with all the buyers getting pushed aside, those sellers aren't getting the same calls. My students are screaming, go, wow, six months ago, they were ignoring me. Now they're calling me, You know that type of conversation. So yeah, I think it has a lot to do with what's going on.
1: Absolutely. that's good. Control demand. Good. Well, let's pivot a little bit and talk about the world of creative financing because, you know, as you mentioned, there are still a number of opportunities and it really doesn't matter what asset class you're talking about, you know, single family, multifamily, commercial. What are some avenues and, and some strategies we should be thinking about, you know, to try to secure alternative financing to what the, you know, the market financing world is doing right now?
0: The two best, well, we buy only three ways, but the two that I love in this particular market, right right, this second, would be owner financing that I alluded to earlier, but also subject to existing financing because we're buying properties. Let's just say we're buying your home, Chad. You need you need to move on for financial reasons or, or other reasons, and your interest rate is 2.9, 3.5. That's what we're seeing, and we're buying those properties. The loan stays in the seller's name. I'm not on it personally. And I'm locking in this interest rate that's fixed for as long as I want to keep the property. That's a pretty cool strategy right now with rates going up. So rates going up though, doesn't affect that at all. Makes it better for you. Uh, but, but I like that and I like owner financing because owner financing, we talk to free and clear owners. They don't have mortgage. So frankly, they don't care about the interest rates going up or down. They want the best price and they'll take it over time. So those two strategies right now, out of the three we do, are, are definitely my favorite. They always were because they're more lucrative.
1: Yeah, those are fantastic. And so, and what you're telling me, I guess, is you can really kind of, in the subject to existing financing, you really already have a locked in, probably sub four, even sub three rate. You know, what are your, I guess, uh, how do you handle the objections that the seller is going to move on and leave the loan in place, you know, not violate any due on sale clauses, but also effectively trust you to maintain that loan at their day? But what are some, you know, tactics to that?
0: Yeah. Great question. So this begs to explain who would do that, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so the free and clear owner, like my office building I bought like this, the free and clear owner is usually oh, okay financially. They're free and clear. They would have presumably put debt on it. So they'll talk differently to you. The, the sub two deals that usually people are going, look, I need debt relief yesterday. Can you get this done? And if you solve that problem, I, I don't get much pullback because I'm not trying to convince them or anything. I'm trying to solve their problem, right? And I give them that as their solution. That, that's it. If someone has alternatively a $100,000 debt on a million dollar property, is a sub two going to be palatable to them? Of course not. But I all usually people that are prone to sub twos are usually needing relief right away. And that's that kind of class of
1: avatar that we deal with. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so that begs the question, how do you find sellers of this type? This probably won't surprise many listeners.
0: It's not much different than other investors. It's just how we buy and exit. It's expired listings now coming back on the scene for sale by owners and for rent by owners. And then that's the core. And then if you want more lead flow or your geographic area doesn't support that, that great. Then I go right to that free and clear avatar and I look for free and clear in a zip code with out of state addresses. So at post COVID, these are great because people are unloading properties with all the stuff that went on. So free and clear, out-of-state owners, great list. But those are just four ways. These are the niched lists,
1: but those are my favorite. Yeah, it's fantastic, Chris. And so, you know, let's pivot over a little bit to the the older financing side of things. You know, A, maybe that's a similar avatar, maybe not. First off, how do you find an individual who's even open to that?
0: Yeah. Um, okay, I mentioned my building, so I'll say that one. This guy had a, because this is not the norm. This guy had a sign, like a 4 by 8 sign on a busy... Won't say highway, but highway, but busy street, and the realtors were baffled because he he dictated that he wanted owner financing, and he and he even dictated his terms on the site. So I went in and negotiated, with him and I've had that building since eighteen. But and he's free and clear with my point. But usually I go to that list I mentioned earlier, one of the four lists. I buy a list for next to nothing through our software, and I get the out of state free and clear owners. You can find, them. you can find. Anything you want, as you know, for a list, but those two criteria are awesome.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And so now that you've found this owner, you know, and then maybe you find it driving by the road, that's a pretty unique story. But, uh, you know, you you find your owners and you start making some calls and they start to say, okay, well, what do you have in mind for terms? So, you know, what are your thoughts on? I mean, how do you begin to structure an owner financing deal? What terms do you even start to offer? Let's kind of go through that strategy a little bit.
0: I'll give a nugget that everybody could literally. User of the phone right now, when they get out listening to this, and that is, I simply say, hey, Chad, I saw your, your property at XYZ. It's all for 550 grand. I haven't seen your property yet. I just saw the ad. But hypothetically, if I could get you to your 550 or better, are you open to doing that on owner financing or did you need all your cash out? That's it. Now, if I'm cold calling someone on a free and clear list, I wouldn't, but my virtual assistants, the script's a little different. It's, we know it's free and clear. So the script is, hey, you know, we buy homes in the area and, or if you're buying buildings or multi, we're buying properties in the area and I noticed your property on XYZ street with all the craziness going on with interest rates or with all the craziness going on the market, didn't know if you had any intentions in selling, just checking in with it.
1: That's an easy opening. Yeah, that's fantastic. So that kind of gets you in the door. And let's say one of these individuals says, yeah, you know, I might sell this building, especially if you can hit the number, might be open to you know, owner financing it and maybe not getting it with a gain or something like that. Maybe I don't need all my <laughs> cash out, you know, then are they kind of quiet and you take the next lead on, uh, you know, what the terms might be, or do you get them to suggest them first? I mean, it's kind of curious to hear what is yeah. the direction you take that to start to figure out what could, what a deal could be, you know? Yep. Some dictate, right. And doesn't mean I
0: take it, but some dictate and I'll, so I'll give you a story there. Then I'll, I'll pivot and tell you what I do if they don't. So this gentleman said to me, "I want." Five, he's a big landowner in the area. He's not new to real estate. He wanted 5.2% interest amortized over 30 years with a balloon at 20 years. That's what he told me. I said, well, we pay principal only. And I think he actually had read my book because literally I sent it on purpose. So he said, principal only. I said, yeah. So to come to terms on both of us, we did principal only for 18 months. Hammered the principal down. Then took the balance and he amortized it. So I got my way for 18 months, which really helped my hammer my principal. And then he got his way for the five point, I think it went a low. It was like 5.1 or whatever it was. So that's someone who dictated it. Usually though, I'll say, hey, Chad, I got kind of like a seesaw going in. I need to know what's more important to you. Is it price? Is it term? Or is it monthly? Notice I didn't say interest. Is it price? Is it term? Or is it monthly? What's the most important? Because I can't obviously give you all three. So if you had to pick one, what's the most important? And they'll tell me, I got to get my price. Or I got to have you know this on a monthly. I didn't say anything about down payment. I didn't say anything about interest because I try to do no interest and no
1: down. And I, I get away with it 90% of the time. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so, I mean, there's a lot of strategies right there just in the current real estate environment and interest rate environment to you know maybe find a way to still get your deals turned over with your motivated sellers by using some creative financing strategies. So let's pivot for just a second, if you don't mind. Let's talk about... You know, buying deals on terms. You care to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, the terms in our world just refers to creative
0: financing, which to us refers to three ways we buy. Two we mentioned sub two, and owner financing, and the third is lease purchase. Uh, other than Texas sandwich lease.
1: Okay, Get so, you in Texas. Yeah, very good. So we've covered the other two. So we do have a lot of people in Texas, Chris. Let's talk a little bit about buying with a sandwich lease, if you don't mind. Sure.
0: So Texas is the only state you can't do it. So I'll, I'll help the Texans. You just can't do it. <laughs> you can't do a sandwich lease. You can do the other two, which I prefer. Uh, if you're anywhere else in the country, as of now, to the best of my knowledge, you can go ahead and enter a sandwich lease, which is this. I'm going to tie up Chad's property with a lease purchase document. Our attorneys provide them. Other attorneys, however, they're not tricky. And then I'm going to exit that property and a rent to own. So the buyer is one side of the sandwich, the seller is the other, and I'm in the middle. You just can't be in the middle of that in Texas. I love that because I control the property. Deed doesn't transfer. So the seller is comfortable to your earlier question about sub two. If they're not comfortable, okay, then I'll go to the lease purchase room. You hang on to the deed. And then later on, when he's got the woman fuzzies with me and my credibility, then I can always transfer it to a sub two. But in the meantime, I control the property. Our agreements are built in with a $10 deposit on these lease purchases, 10 bucks. And when you exit these, you know, you're not talking little deals, Chad, you're talking, 45 grand to 250 grand, all three paydays on these. So you control that asset for 10 bucks and you have that kind of leverage on the paydays. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I'd venture to say that's a pretty good segue into the next you know, concept that you talk about is you know, getting paid 3X on your deals. Let's kind of talk about what that means to you. Yep,
0: we've trademarked this federally and it means that when a buyer comes in, my payday one is their down payment. Because remember, I'm dealing with buyers that need time. I'm not dealing with wannabe buyers. I'm dealing with buyers that legitimately need to fix credit or need to get seasoning because they came out of COVID and go, I want to start my own business. Great. They're not financeable yet. They need two years. So if they commit with a down payment because they're ready to buy, that's payday one. Payday two is I'm paying on that underlying debt or I'm paying the seller, and I'm collecting that plus something else from the buyer. right? I'm collecting that monthly payment. There's a delta there and I keep that. And then the third pay down is huge because it's the markup in the house, price so the property price also all the principal paid out throughout the term that's payday three and just on an average in the entire north america in our community that rate is a low of 45 grand to a high of a
1: quarter million uh on any particular deal folks in the podcasting world you have to laugh a little bit about what i just said there three x meaning three times getting paid three times on each deal sometimes when you read the bio that happens very good very good well Chris, been great having you on the show. Before we go, we got to ask you the quattro four questions about you personally. Are you ready? Ready, my man. All right. First off, and I think we've heard a lot of it today, but you know, what is your superpower in this industry and how do, how does it benefit you?
0: I'd say it's our community because especially with the markets changing, that's one constant we know. You need community. I can teach anyone how to do a deal, but community is the glue. And I think that's
1: certainly our superpower. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, let's, let's kind of flip it on its head a little bit. Give me a little bit of dirt, Chris. What is your biggest failure in life or business, and what did you learn from?
0: There's no question that it was the OA crash. It took me four years to mentally dig out of that. I mean, I know in business stuff happens, but that was a toughie. And I didn't reach out to mentors quick enough to get myself out of it. I was in my head, like I caused the national crash, right? So it was definitely the crash. And I learned boatloads from it because I wouldn't be talking to you today. The entire business is because I went through the crash. Well, you
1: couldn't have convinced me that back then. Yeah, fair enough. You know, mindset is everything, especially when overcoming something that is meant to teach you, maybe not destroy you, but teach you, right? So fantastic piece of information there. And let's chat a little bit about the free book that you guys have for our listeners. What is that? What does it contain? And where can we find it? Yeah, we're going to actually give anyone
0: from your listener tribe a we're going to get two books. We have four bestsellers. We're going to send two. The first one is Real Estate on Your Terms because that's kind of like the crux of everything we do. And it was revised during coming out of COVID coincidentally. We already started it when it hit. And it's not one of those offers, Chad, that you go, hey, free book, and you got to put your credit card in for shipping. You will not be asked for 10 cents or a credit card. We will ship it at our expense. You'll get hard copies. And the other one is the Deal Structure Overtime Book, which takes deals like we have on YouTube and that was behind the scenes, not on YouTube, and says, hey, here's the nuances, here's the dirt, here's the challenges, here's how we find the seller, all that stuff behind the curtain that you don't get
1: to see usually. That's the other book. Fantastic, Chris. Everyone scroll down in whatever modality you're listening to this on. That link will be in the show notes. Click it, and you'll go right to Chris's page to redeem that gift. Chris, last question. You know, here at Quattro, one of our four pillars is philanthropy. So what we love to do is provide our guests as an opportunity to mention whatever philanthropic venture gets you excited, gets you motivated, where you like to put your money. A lot of times people on our listener base will contribute on your behalf alongside of you. So, you know, what would your philanthropic interest be?
0: That's super good energy, Chad. I appreciate that. No one's literally ever done that on a show. So my son had a snowboard injury and he was in a coma from a head injury when he was in middle school. And they told us he wouldn't walk, talk, or eat again. And that, that organization has saved his life. And he runs the business today. And he's literally in London speaking right now. So, so they were wrong. And the hospital that helped him, that, that
1: rehab, was Franciscan Children's Hospital in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Fantastic. So, folks, once again, scroll down. That link will be in the show notes for your uh, donations and for your review. So, and, you know, Appreciate Chris, I, I lied a little bit. I got to ask you one more question. What is the best way That's for right. our listeners to get in touch with you?
0: I can give you that, that it'll, call, it'll help us with the book. in that. Just go to Wicked Smart Books, wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Chad. And they'll, they'll they'll be able to put their information for all the free stuff and, and they can reach me there. Well, the, the basic website, smartrealestatecoach.com.
1: All right, that's smartrealestatecoach.com and wickedsmartbooks.com. Again, will be in your show notes. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the call, sharing all this valuable information on creative deals and your take on the current interest rate environment you know, we really appreciate it. Hope to have you back on soon. You bet. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. This has been another show or episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. Until next time, over and out. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Chris Prefontaine. Don't forget, if you get any value out of this show, please leave us a five-star review and a thoughtful comment. It really helps the show. And you can follow us via our parent company, Quattro Capital, on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Team Quattro Capital. one word, most special characters or by simply visiting us at thequattroway.com. Until next time, over and out. We hope this episode was insightful and brought value
0: to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequattroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.